Welcome to the Lantau Basecamp podcast. In this podcast, we aim to bring you up to date with recent developments in the world of trail running, new products that have arrived in our shop, and all things Lantau. Lantau Basecamp is a community shop and event organizer in Muo on Lantau Island. And now, on to your host, Martin Dukas. Welcome back to the special edition of the Lentau Basecamp podcast. This is the second part of our special on the Hong Kong Four Trails Ultra Challenge, with Andre, the godfather of the challenge, as our guest. If you haven't listened to part one of the podcast, I urge you to listen to that one first, as this second part would not make much sense without it. In the first part, we heard some impressions from three survivors, and we spoke with Andre on the nature of the challenge, who joined, and what different approaches the participants took to the event and to organizing their support. In this part, we will discuss the progress of the different participants along the four trails, leading up to quite a few of them finishing in Muiwo, but only in survivor mode, which means nobody managed to finish under 60 hours. First, We'll go back to Lento Basecamp store in Muwo to continue our conversation with Andre. After being interrupted by the finish of two survivors, we'll continue the conversation over Skype, which happened two days later. Didn't break 60. Very close. <laughs> he didn't break 60. <laughs> 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 I was going to be actually. In some ways it was almost easier than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be massively hard, it was still really hard, but... How did it go? Not according to plan. Pretty good. She just finished the four trails. The first Holy crap! Up. Yeah, started Friday at 8. Yeah. <laughs> going to be a little tired by now. Yeah, totally. Okay, let's let's stop the serious talking and go back to the race or challenge. <laughs> On Meklehose, how, how did you feel the prog- progress was? Uh, Meklehose was interesting. Uh, it's um, obviously a reasonably boring start at the uh, Meklehose nine and ten. Uh, so this is not the Oxfam course. Obviously, it's the like all the other four, uh, all the other three. Yes, it's the the original trail courses. So it's it's reasonably boring catch water on on concrete and then you have a few hills going into round twisk. Uh, usually um, after the start, uh, paper my wife and I go up to round twisk and then take some photos and and cheer people on. And um, what was interesting was that Tom was uh, already way in the lead, way way ahead after only 22, 23 k. And I said Tom uh, just keep it easy it's going to be a couple of long days so pace yourself yeah yeah i'm fine <laughs> and uh and he was right he was fine and he 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 paced in my view nearly perfectly he slowed down a little bit in the second half of hong kong trail and uh and also on lantau in bits uh he had some ups and downs i think um but overall uh, near perfect and uh uh, but but it was also interesting. We've had some people use tracking systems, and different people had different ones. And so I was always sort of on my phone on on a couple of different tracking systems to see how things are going. I didn't uh, 
uh, put up a tracking system for the challenge itself co in a coordinated manner because I thought about it a lot. I put actually a, a voting on the uh, the Trail Running Hong Kong Facebook group and, and I think 90% were in favor of having tracking. Uh, but I still decided against it because I felt it isn't quite the the sentiment of the original challenge. And also, I knew that I know that tracking has a lot of good aspects, but it also has downsides. It's not all positive, because if you are a race organizer or you are someone coordinating a challenge, and you offer this, it it, it immediately sets expectations. It sets expectations that it will always work. It's always on, it's always accurate, and if it is not, then that the person who is supporting or following a participant can pick up the phone and call you, text you, Facebook you, <laughs> tweet you, and get an answer within five seconds. And if they don't, then they're pissed off, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. And that, that it's all about expectation management. And I didn't want to have that, right? And I didn't want to have that level of entitlement where you have a tracking system out there, and then the level of entitlement rises and then you can't meet that expectation, then people are disappointed, right? Yeah. So um, I had been very supportive and I've been approached by a few people um, for tracking systems that said, I, I don't want to do it this year uh, in an organized way, but please approach people that want to use it and, and that's that's fine. Um, so, But it was interesting for me to compare then how people were and it was interesting that a lot of different pacing strategies uh, or maybe even lack of pacing strategies were adopted. So it's a lot of overtaking and back and forth. In general, I think people went out too quick. Yeah. Um, and as the day progressed, I think the NATO already paid for that. Yeah. Uh, we also seen quite a few drops in, in, uh, in, in Mac um, in the first um, trail, that is. So I think within the first 75, 80K we had probably already uh, four or five people at least dropping, um, which is surprising, right? So, because if you do a challenge like this, you 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 got to keep the big picture in mind. This is not a this is not a ten k dash, and you got to really go in slowly and and conservatively as well. You don't want to go and roll an ankle straight away, and and then if if everything is is fine, then in the last third, which is still a hundred k you can then push the buttons a bit but um and maybe that's part of the experience process as well and i hope also that the challenge provides a platform for people who may be a little bit out of their depths but then they may not finish it that year but then they take learnings away from that so i don't want to discriminate by ability i will never set it up such that only people that are podium material can participate in the challenge. That's not really what this is about. So I'd always like to have diversity. I always like to have people that that may not have done a 100K or 100 miler because I don't think it is necessarily a... It's an easy quantifiable entry criteria, but I don't think it's necessarily a formula for success in finishing it. Yeah. So at the end of Meklehaus, who did you think was still in it for, for the 60 hours? Well, most of the favorites that then emerged after having been at the start line, so we then uh, pulled together who's actually in there, <laughs> so uh, because people can just rock up. Um, so Tom came in first, uh, expectedly, Chokin second, I think, and, 
and then we had John fairly early uh, in, and uh, well, Vic was still there. Uh, Vic was still there. Vic, Vic actually didn't look very well when I saw him in the morning when he rocked up, which is which is why I made the comment earlier that he he so maybe he had was was New Year's Day after all, right? So so he probably celebrated the New Year a little bit. But as the day progressed, actually, Vic sort of um, uh, looked better and better, and I was I was very impressed on how much. A speed uh, Vic accelerated and, and, and his pacing increased and uh, he I think in many stages actually was in, in second place after Tom uh, and um, but uh, I didn't really worry too much about that in terms of where people are because at least not at the, in the first half of the field because it's just the first of four trails and it's just a third of the distance it's uh, I don't know 20 five or whatever percent of the altitude change and elevation change and uh, early days right and mm. I, I I know from my own experience that you don't you don't win or lose a race in the first 100k of 100 mile and you for sure ain't win or lose a finish in the first 100k of the challenge so I didn't really pay too much attention to it yeah but obviously then on the other side you had some people that took 20 22 24 Hours and then once the sun came up again on day two, and certain people had still not finished, and so um, okay, it's going to be pretty difficult for them unless they have a, a specific pacing strategy where they're really going very, very, very slow. Yeah. Um, so. And then came uh, Wilson. Then came Wilson. So the the interesting thing with the challenge is the transition. So we started at 8 a.m. on the first day. Um, so a rule of thumb timing, if you want to do well in the challenge for Mac. Uh, and by the way, it's run in reverse direction, so in, uh, not in forward direction. So we start in Tunmun and finish in Pak Tam Chung. Um, so 15, 16, 17 hours. Uh, it's not it's not absolute speedster, but uh, it's 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 a good pace. Um, so which means then in the middle of the night you end up in Pak Tam Chung. Uh, and I'm not sure about you, but I haven't had a lot of luck finding buses or taxis in Pak Tam Chung at two or three o'clock in the morning. So the whole logistical aspect then and the the support aspect and having people there and having uh, maybe a crew there with a car and, and, and some hot soup and noodles and so on was quite important. It was very interesting for me then as to, sort of to observe and that goes back again to the learning aspect and I think people don't do this enough. Um, I think people should really do this more to go out to a race and, and just stand at an aid station, ideally obviously volunteer, um, but actually stay there and, and see what uh, what is happening and what people are doing. So I found it incredibly interesting just to to hang out at, uh, at Pak Tam Chung and, and see what the different strategies were for crew and so on. So some runners came in and the crew hadn't arrived. Okay, that's not very good. Some others came in and the, the car of the crew had arrived five minutes ago and everything was set up, so it was like clockwork. Tom was, again, probably the best operating model where his crew had arrived on time, laid out a Buffy-style uh, assortment of uh, nutrition, hydration, uh, change of clothes, and it went bang, 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 and, and, and he was out. So the crew knew exactly what he wanted, and, and, and obviously he knew what he wanted in advance, and there was no mocking around, and that's very important. People underestimate how quickly time adds up in these situations, yeah. be it at an aid station in a race, 
albeit in the challenge here where you have sort of major trail transitions. And um, the the driving time from Paktamchung to Namchung, where the Wilson part starts, is easily 45, 50 minutes. It's a long drive, and it's the middle of the night, so there isn't a lot of traffic, uh, and it was dry as well that night. So then again, the question is, well, how do you make that time work for you rather than against you? So 45 minutes out of a 60-hour cutoff time is a, is a lot of time. So you, you, you want to think about, well, how do I use it? So you can you can sleep in the car, you can eat in the car, you can do other things and so on. So And, and again, some people spend, in my, my personal opinion, way too much time in Pak Tam Chung eating yeah. or relaxing, right? They should have done that while Get moving, in the car, right? move. Um, but then the other extreme, and, and I hadn't thought about this, and I, I need to think about this and maybe try it a bit, more, a bit out, is... Uh, I was very, very impressed with Jerry Chua, who who had a car waiting for her, and the back seats were taken down, and there was basically a bed prepared for her. So she arrived, she took off her shoes, she put on a um, an, an, an inline or whatever you call it, a sleeping bag, and he jumped in the into the trunk of the car, put her her sort of. Um, frequent flyer nightshades on <laughs> and then she was asleep yeah. and snoozing and off the car went right and so mm, that's actually pretty interesting and pretty pretty effective and again that's that's what the challenge is about you got to think about this. it's not just about running and being fast but uh, what about all the other aspects how to go from trail to trail how to make the time uh work for you and so on so um then Wilson is the first night, so that's usually the big, uh, the first big challenge. People start to get tired. They've got 100k in their legs, and they are starting to uh, uh, get get slower and, and and get tired. And then uh, it's a long slog up uh, Patsen Lang, as you know. And um, um, we um, we've seen that people then looked at. Uh, um, having to uh, adjust their pace and so on as well. And then we've, we've got people then stretching out a bit more as well. So uh, it was quite interesting. Then then the next morning arrives and day two starts. Uh, so some people were then reasonably well progressed uh, um, around Taipo Road or even Shatin Pass already. Uh, some people were still uh, uh, in, in Pak Tam Shung hadn't finished. And, uh, and then I went out at the second day in the morning and I uh, looked at... Um, uh, just hanging out on the course and, and, and finding some people. So I picked a point and then and ran backwards against the runners and I saw a few, few, few runners as well. I saw Tom and I said, Tom, uh, in, in 5K, you've, 2K, you find a noodle shop in Chartin, you should get something to eat. He said, yeah, I'm kind of hungry. I'll probably have, have a bite. But then later on, I found out on the tracking system, he just went past. So he he didn't refuel or anything and, and he finished very quickly. So... But then uh, it, it's interesting again. It's a challenge because I'm not a race director. It's not a race, so I, I get to get out on the course, and I personally find that interesting as well to see people that are doing my challenge, and I say hi to them and how you're doing, and I'm not supporting them, I'm not giving them anything, no water, anything. But it's just just interesting for me, and I feel inspiration through that as well. And you see people doing what you sort of designed, and, uh, and that's good stuff. Yeah. Um, just to uh, explain, <laughs> Andre is pointing at his phone because somebody is about to finish. How far away are they? Uh, they are around uh, 
4K away, uh, which includes 2.5K road from Namchan. So I got to dug out and go to the famous green post box to ring my bell, my cowbell, and uh, and then welcome uh, uh, two local runners actually. Um, so live on the podcast, uh, Joe Chow and while Choi will finish in uh, about uh, 10 minutes. Yeah, so the good thing is I can just press pause and then we can continue later. And in the meantime, uh, we'll, we'll welcome uh, these guys and, uh, and let you know about it after. She just finished the four trails. The first Holy crap! Yeah, starting Friday at 8. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna be a little tired by now. Yeah, totally. So, we're back after the break that we had yesterday um, I'm saying yesterday because the original plan was to, to head out uh, for 10-20 minutes and then come back and finish the, the podcast but um, the finish of these uh, two Hong Kong guys uh, took a little bit longer than, than was announced so we end up uh, having to finish the podcast um, via Skype so I'm, I'm still joined by um, Andre Andre, how are you feeling? I'm doing good. It was actually two nights ago, but uh, everything seems to be a bit of a blur after such a long event. So when we spoke, the event was still on. It was Monday night. Now it's Wednesday night. We had uh, actually the the final two survivors coming in early this morning um, in just uh, an hour under five days. Um, so uh, it's been a long week. Yeah, and, and you, you sound a little bit... Um more energetic today than, than you did when we last spoke. I guess you've had some sleep finally? Yeah, I had a bit of sleep, but not, not all too much, um, but it's okay. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm glad it uh, completed successfully. I'm glad no one got seriously injured. Uh, everybody is, uh, is back in camp, as I say. So, uh, yeah, it's been good. Okay, that's great. Let, let's pick it, pick it back up uh, where we were. We were talking about uh, the Wilson. Um, you, you expressed um, or, or you explained about the different uh, transfer techniques that people used. So um, let's focus a little bit on, on the top three, four. Uh, how did they get on on Wilson? Uh, what did you feel about it? Yeah, similar to Mac, I think Tom Robertshaw was still pretty much in a, in a very strong lead. And um, he uh, he maintained that all the way through through Wilson, um, and then there was for quite some time there was nobody, and then so Chokin and and John um, and and also to some degree in the early uh, actually actually Vic Vic dropped out in uh, in Wilson uh, halfway through I think in Taiwo, uh, and uh, so he was actually quite fast and in the early. Um, Parts of the of the the challenge in, in Mac and in Wilson and so on. So he dropped out, um, and then Chokin and John sort of were uh, runners up. Um, but uh, pretty much same story as in in uh, in Mac was was Wilson to bring that to the finish. So Tom was the first one across the harbor, and uh, you know it's it's quite it's quite interesting and. It, it's it's I don't know many ultras where I don't know any ultras where you actually have to take public transport as part of the course um, within a trail. So as you know, Wilson cuts through um, Hong Kong Island and and Kowloon, and so they had to take the the train. The other interesting thing is that for most of the the formal races that are going on this 
Wilson course, um, it is actually a single train stop, so from Corrie Bay to Yautong. But the original Wilson Trail is actually uh, Lam Tin to Taiku. And uh, back, back in the day when Wilson was set up, then those other MTR stations actually didn't exist. So yeah. it was a bit bizarre for them, so the, because we wanted to use the original course, so they had to run past Yao Tong, so leaving the empty Honda left, and go another maybe one, one and a half K or so into Lam Tin, take the train one stop to Yao Tong, change the train one stop to Khoi Bay, change the train again uh, one stop to Taiku. Um, so, uh, and, uh, Just to add to the confusion that that's already there, of course. Yeah, that's right, and, uh, and and that's again one of those things that is very unique about the challenge, and that's one of the things where you better do a recce on that because some of these MTR stations, as we know, that can be quite confusing, multiple levels, uh, especially the interchange stations have multiple um, uh, levels and and so on. So, um, so but Tom made it through very quickly and very efficiently in, in just in under 20 minutes uh, including multiple uh, train changes so he he hit uh, Taiku first and I think there were quite a few uh, people there that were interested in uh, just seeing him and, and seeing how it goes so this is now uh, um, this is now sort of day number uh, two in the yeah. uh, uh, early afternoon or yeah that's right so we are sort of into it around maybe 30, 30 plus hours. Um, so he's got to finish then stage two and stage one of Wilson uh, above the uh, lovely twins and into uh, standing abroad. Uh, still, still a pretty commanding lead. Uh, and again, he had his uh, crew lined up and waiting and pretty efficient there. And with little delay, then uh, started off for the next trail. And then uh, Chokin and John and, and Jack um, Lanante from uh, Philippines, they, they followed suit. But there was still quite a fairly significant gap. Um, yeah, I actually felt that Tom did take quite a bit of time in Sheko. Yeah, he did. Um, because I think the, the, uh, the transport from standing abroad where Wilson finishes to the start of Hong Kong, it's very short, it's a 15, 20 minute ride only. So maybe it wasn't enough for him to fuel and, and, and to, to relax a bit and chill a bit. I think I also noted he was putting on a, uh, a light uh, a light jacket. So it was sort of late afternoon, early evening now, since the sun had come down. And I um, uh, was, get, was getting a little bit more chilly. And um, so, but he still looked pretty sharp, uh, very mentally alert um, and so on. So uh, pretty impressive, really. Um, the other point to note is that Hong Kong Trail actually is in this challenge extended a little bit forward and starts in uh, in Shago. I think most of the listeners will know that that Hong Kong Trail actually is a a tad short of the advertised 50k. So to make up for that, I I, I added that additional I think one and a half or two k jog from uh, from Shago bus terminus to um, Big Wave Bay, where the uh, the formal start of uh, actually the finish line of Hong Kong Trail is, but then we're running it in reverse. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then things progressed, the other people came across through the harbour and uh, um, when I did the, the challenge previously, um, it, was, it was always good to then leave sort of Kowloon behind 
uh, get off the dark side and uh, and and you immediately then have some more feel of civilization as well which i personally find always a little bit uh, motivating and, and energizing as well because especially in the first night going over patsin leng and so on some of those really remote areas it does get very lonely and uh, uh, and, and so on, but then uh, Hong Kong Trail also there are a lot of sections as well where you then run on your own, but uh, you just see the city lights, um, you've just been through uh, mass transport and, and, and so on, so um, it, it's, it's always a bit refreshing and uh, it doesn't quite feel just that lonely even if you're running on your own. Um, then fast forward really to sort of the second, second part of Hong Kong Trail and um, um, we saw actually Tom coming into Parkview, so we, we said, okay, let's set ourselves up at Parkview for a while, because as you know, Parkview is the intersection where both Wilson Trail and Hong Kong Trail go through, and uh, the idea then was that we would be sitting there and, and, and catch Tom while he does Hong Kong, but then also catch some of the others while they're still in the process of completing Wilson, so that worked actually quite quite well and uh, so we saw actually Jerry go through doing uh, Wilson, uh, Jerry Chua and then uh, Tom shortly afterwards came came through and uh, I, I saw him and I recorded a short video and which you uploaded to, which you did upload uh, to a site and it was to me quite impressive on how strong Tom still came down the, uh, the stairs into Parkview and uh, pretty good technique and, 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 and gait and so on, very smooth running and very efficient running. I mean, that was always, I think that was his, his secret of success as well. I mean, he's obviously fairly light frame, and uh, but also the, the biomechanics and efficiency, it's just so incredibly important in, in such a long event. And uh, he, he was sort of floating down the, the stairs and I didn't really detect any, uh, any much fatigue or anything. And when you fatigue, then always your form starts to falter and then it's this downward spiral from there where you then become less efficient and then pain sets in and it, it gets worse and worse but none of that with Tom still all cheery all smiles uh, didn't want to really stick around to have a quick chat with me so he just kept <laughs> going and uh, and then ran down uh, uh, to Wong Nai Chung and then uh, uh, on to uh, the rest of Hong Kong Trail. So um, at, at that stage did you think he would make it to the all-important 3 a.m. ferry? Yes. When he started yeah. at 7, I was like, wow, it's possible. Yes, he he uh, he was definitely under a very clear sub-60 pace pretty much all the way, uh, the Mac anyway, and then Wilson probably until the Harbour Crossing. And then it, he, he, he dropped pace a little bit. Um, and then... Uh, but he still, uh, I think, was definitely in the in the running for the 3 a.m. ferry. Um, but then in the and then we we, we left and uh, we went up to the peak. Originally wanted to wait for him, but then uh, it just just decided to to head on because we just wanted to get a bit of rest as well because it's such a long event. Um, and then uh, it took much much longer for him to come up and finish at the peak than I would have thought. I think Tom actually took over nine hours for Hong Kong Trail in reverse. Yeah. Obviously in reverse, Hong Kong Trail is a downward, it's a downward course going forward. So 
takes quite a bit longer in reverse and going up, and especially that that part from uh, Black's Link then all the way up to the peak. Um, it's it's a, it's a pretty uh, um, but, uh, quite a bit of elevation and uh, positive elevation, and so um, he also I think did one or two uh, wrong turns, but he picked that up and then backtracked and went back again on the on the track, but uh, on the course. So um, yeah, and then. Uh, in that process, sort of in the maybe stage two or stage three of of Hong Kong Trail, and I said, "Oh, it's going to be pretty tight for him to uh, to do that and finish that still." And because it, what people often underestimate is also the commute times. And even though it's it's just a short ride down from the peak to the ferries, and this is then in the middle of the night, there's there's no traffic, um, so you can actually do that pretty quickly. It still adds up. You still need a good twenty minutes. Um, and then you get traffic lights and, and, and so on, and there's construction near the ferry still, and uh, it, it all takes a bit longer, so you need to have pretty good buffer building as well to hit the 3 o'clock ferry, which he didn't. Um, so, and that was for the first time that I said, hmm, maybe the, uh, the 60 hours won't be broken. Um, and then um, the other thing that then also happened was that and I, I didn't see that myself, but I had I'd sort of seen reports come in. Uh, Shokin and John uh, were then in the meantime also on, uh, obviously, Hong Kong Island. And uh, they uh, were always running with some distance. Shokin always, uh, uh, sorry, John actually in the lead, I think. And then sort of Shokin caught up. Or the other way around, I can't remember. No, no. Uh, Joachim was, he started at 8 and John started at 9. So, the Hong Kong Trail. Yeah, correct. So, it was 7, 8 and 9. Oh, that's right. And that's I think correct. they maintained that difference. Um, but they did, they did, uh, John caught up with Joachim um, just coming into Parkview. But then, oh. um, uh, so he made, made up quite a bit of time in that... Uh, in that, uh, in those stages, eight, seven, six, and five. Um, but then uh, John decided it was time to take a bit of a nap uh, at Parkview, uh, which Shokin didn't. So then Shokin headed off again and then extended again the distance. So quite interesting then from then onwards to really see more of the race dynamics. And, and yeah, it's not a race, I know, but these are all type A personalities, right? Of course, they, they do keep that in mind as well. Yeah, uh, and then um, it wasn't really much um, later than when when Tom arrived at peak that that Chokin came in again. I I don't have to split timing, but I think it was ten, fifteen, twenty minutes or so. I know that both crews were there at the same time, and I was uh, texting with uh, both Tom's crew and Chokin's crew as well, and I, I saw they're both actually there. Um, and, and they were both then thinking, okay, we both missed the ferry now, the 3 o'clock ferry, so what are we going to do? So we don't want to wait until the 7 o'clock ferry, which is also a slow one. So then plan B is basically, okay, drive from the peak through Western Harbor Tunnel all the way to Tung Chung and then try to get a taxi there, a Lantau taxi, uh, which is uh, pretty challenging. So yeah. I was actually te texting them the, uh, the Lantau booking number which which they already had but it was just to check it so both crews were there so uh, but, uh, but Jokin ended up on the same ferry as as um, John Ellis 
It was the eight o'clock ferry with all the King of the Hill people. Yes. So, but that uh, that that came. That came, that's right. It came later. I, I'm not sure whether whether Chokin then took took another break there. Um, but uh, Tom went off with crew by car. Uh, they went into Tungchong, had an awfully hard time finding a a taxi. Uh, were briefly considering to 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 take the risk and to drive into Moivo, which you need a license, a Lantau license for. Yeah. Uh, but then they found a taxi and then uh, they made it across to Moivo. And I think then Tom started around um, seven something, seven, 10 minutes past 7 a.m. Yeah. Uh, this is now day three, uh, the Sunday, 3rd of January. And yes, so Chokin and John were still on Hong Kong Trail. And then uh, I think they all... This is night two. This is sort of predictable, right? And they all then uh, slowed down quite materially. And I know from having seen both of them in, in races, uh, both Chokin and John, I know both of them really struggled with, with fatigue, uh, which, which I didn't see from Tom. And it's just some people struggle more than others. There's nothing much you can do about it, but it's, it's just it's what it is. So, yeah. uh, And I think they just found it hard going uh, that slog up to the peak and in the second night, um, so 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 funnily enough, they both ended up uh, together on the on the eight o'clock ferry uh, over to uh, to Moivu from Central, which, as you said, had a lot of runners for the King of the Hills on the same day. So it's kind of quite bizarre. So they're going out for a mountain marathon, a mountain half, and these guys come in and having already two twenty eight um, k in their legs. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so. Maybe from your own experience of what you've heard, uh, we, we, we've heard the stories about you would struggle in your second night and, and you clearly saw that from the guys. How does it feel in the next morning? Do you have then a normal day? Do you go through the day uh, pretty normal or do you still go in and out of these sleepy periods during the day even on your third day? Well, I think generally uh, for me, and I think that's probably similar for many people, it's, it's usually those two, three hours before the sun comes up that is incredibly difficult and and sometimes even in the first night and that's just i guess our sort of circadian rhythm your 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 body clock and uh, where your body clock says well you should really be sleeping now um so that's that's hard that's that's often when i then pop a caffeine tablet or where I put the music in and and and, and uh, increase the volume just to stay alert and Increase the headlamp just to have a bit more brighter light and, and to just get through that period. And then as soon as the sun comes up, I think everyone sort of feels that second wind and a fresh energy boost. And uh, But then that's a bit different in in then day two and day three. You still have that boost of energy, but but it doesn't last that long typically, at least not for me. And then from then onwards, you, you have these ups and downs even during the daylight. And... Uh, so and obviously, with the longer you're out there, the the worse that gets. Um, so what what people often don't realize is you can probably do 48 hours with no sleep and 60 hours maybe barely, maybe with a few naps. But with every additional hour, then it gets harder and harder and harder. So you very quickly then see escalating times, and I think we've seen that in the challenge as well, where um, the first three eventually came in within three hours, uh, slightly more than three hours. But then uh, the next three came in 
13 hours after that, up to 13 hours after that. So it just sort of escalates then because then you, the body really needs to sleep. Um, okay. So then we had um, the, the other thing then on, on, so they went to Lantau, it's uh, clockwise direction. So it's a looped course, but in reverse, so it's clockwise, which means that the, the hard, the really hard bits and Nali's bits uh, actually happen at the end. And that's intentional. Uh, so I really wanted to end on a high note, literally speaking, with having to go via Lantau Peak and Sunset Peak before and finishing. So, so the first part of Lantau Trail is pretty flattish, a few ups and downs. The long sections of catchwater are pretty mind-numbing and boring, um, but um, reasonably easy, I would say, until you hit Tai-O. And um, the the challenge was that in, in this part, in this sort of uh, northwestern part of Lantau, uh, there is no phone reception. And um, Tom and, and John were on a, on a tracker that Mark had uh, put up, and uh, so you could follow them. But then as soon as they went into that no zone phase, basically the tracker stopped or started to jump around erratically and confused everyone. And basically took then almost until people hit Tai-O again where you go back into phone reception and then it would update the location. So it was uh, quite suspenseful there because you didn't really know what happened. So you, 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 saw the, uh, you saw Tom ahead in the tracking, you saw John following with initially quite some distance because I think they started about two hours behind Tom um, because they were on the 8 o'clock ferry. Um, and then uh, Joaquin was somewhere in between you couldn't tell because they didn't have a tracker. So it was quite interesting, I found. And then um, uh, what was very interesting, which I predicted actually, I didn't expect it to be turning out quite that way, was that indeed uh, once I hit Tai-O, uh, that last section from Tai-O to the finish, that's with all these monster climbs getting up from Tai-O into Nongping, Nongping across Lantau Peak down into uh, into the road section again and then across sunset um, and Shokin actually had caught up with Tom uh, by Tai-O and uh, Tom's crew was texting me and was sending me the screenshot of, of their uh, smartphone and I could see these texts between Tom and the crew saying oh Shokin has caught me we're climbing up out of Tai-O together now I think uh, John is closing in as well so it was it was really fascinating to see how uh, Tom was racing this, and Tom was very concerned about who is behind it. And everyone, anyone who has ever been in the lead in a race, probably knows that. Uh, and it's difficult to explain to someone who hasn't been in the lead of a race, but and it cost me a finish of a hundred miler once because I just mentally wasn't prepared for it. It's so much pressure, right? You, you're, you're ahead. There's nobody ahead of you. So you can't take guidance from someone else in terms of the course or in terms of the pacing. You set the pace. You're on the course. You need to make sure you don't make wrong turns. Plus this pressure. You, you don't know what's happening behind you. You don't know are they closing in or not. Um, and it's mentally very draining. And now keep in mind that up until this point, Tom had led the whole way. All of Mac, all of Wilson, all of Hong Kong, 
and most of half of Lantau from Boivo all the way to, to Taiwo. How mentally draining that must be. Of course, I'm sure he got the odd update from, from his crew over, over his smartphone and so on and off, but knowing Tom, I'm sure he, he didn't mock around all too much with his phone. He was just focused on running and, and getting ahead. But really, my head's off uh, because that's, that's a huge mental challenge, a huge mental drain. And just looking at this, this message exchange screenshot from the smartphone that the crew sent me, it was really interesting to see. So I said, oh, now, now, it, now it's on. The race is on. And um, so they were climbing out of Taiyo into Nongping together. And uh, Lloyd uh, Belcher then uh, just uh, was too excited. He couldn't stay at home anymore. So he said, I'm, I'm heading out and, and I, I have a look and I see how, uh, how they're doing. Um, so and he, and he, he caught a, a, a couple of uh, good action shots as well from the, from the trail and was pretty pretty gray, pretty, uh, pretty wet, slippery trails actually uh, at, at that time. And uh, uh, at that time, John was still quite a bit behind and, and the tracker kicked in again for him uh, by the time he had Tayo. So then uh, Tom and, Lo- and Chokin were already halfway through to, uh, to Nong Ping. Um, and then late, but, but Chokin didn't have the tracker, so he couldn't follow that. So there was again that, that element of suspense. So yeah. Uh, who would be going into Nongping first? And but then I think uh, then Lloyd caught up, and then he was sort of updating and uh, uh, said that uh, Chokin was sort of struggling a little bit, and, and he had a bit of an energy dip, and then Tom pulled ahead. Yeah. Well, so because there were um, there was mentioning of that Tom actually went off course somewhere around Taiyo. Was was that also the case, or was that just a tracker jumping around? No, I think this was the initial confusion with the tracker not having uh, phone reception and uh-huh. or, the, or the smartphone not having reception, so being unable to to transmit it and um, and for some reason it then jumped around. And um, the challenge is using the original trails, and there is a trail diversion. Uh, near Taiyo, where it sort of cuts out the most southern, uh, uh, western part, and uh, so, um, and what I what I thought had had happened was that he came into towards Taiyo and then saw the sign um, for the Lantau Trail marking, and the signage where then goes up a steep um, flight of stairs. And a, and a steep mountain, and I thought he he took that and was following the wrong wrong signage, but in fact it was a mistake in the in the tracker. Oh, okay. Um, so I think he was he was not off course. I think he was on course, and uh, um, but uh, so credit to to Chokin to sort of uh, catch up with him, despite having quite a bit of uh, a lead. So I did notice when when Tom was on the on the catchwaters. Um, uh, between uh, sort of Puyo and and then eventually uh, uh, the the sections further to the to the west, uh, he did slow down a bit as well. So uh, so Chokin must have made up quite some some good time on on that road section. Yeah, but but maybe um, spent just a bit too much energy, considering he uh, he ran out. Could be, yeah. Ping. Could be yeah yeah that's right. Maybe maybe he was keen on on catching him and then. Sort of uh, went to a level of exertion that was a bit too much. I mean, but, but you never know. I mean, in, in, at this stage of the race, I mean, your body is in total shock, and 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 you have these these ups and downs, and you have 
periods where your digestion doesn't work very well and then you you don't have energy coming in and uh, you're obviously pretty much into fat burning mode at that at that stage but you still need to to have the the odd sugar trickle in and and, and ingest calories as well um, and if you if you don't forget that if you forget that then it can happen and but also keep in mind they have been going for many many hours by that time and and then sometimes you just are in sort of in the zone and you, you you're running but you just forget to to hydrate and to to eat and, and so on so yeah um and that can happen okay yeah i, I was watching um tom on the trekker obviously um i think we're, we're now talking about sunday evening seven eight o'clock so uh not much better to do anyway but um i felt he he, he went pretty quick from Nongping back to Muiwa, even though it's it's pretty tough. Yeah, he did. And I think I think the fact that Shokin had caught up to him and the fact that he was worrying that John may also catch up to him, I think really pushed his energy again. And and when he then noticed that Shokin had a bit of a dip, I think he used that opportunity to pull ahead. Again it's Lots of mind games in in, in ultra. So when you when you see someone, you want to overtake them, and sort of you're trying to come behind without the person noticing, and then you're trying to go a bit faster and, and really quickly create a distance. So mentally, for the person being overtaken, that's a bit of a blow, and you, you wanna you wanna do that overtaking quickly, and, and you create a distance so that the person doesn't even start to, to stay with you and hang with you. And maybe I could imagine, I don't know, but I haven't spoken to Tom about this, but maybe could imagine something similar. Yeah, he did, he did uh, kick, kick into high gear, certainly uh, up that hill. And again, it was very foggy. And I heard from a couple of uh, participants afterwards who said, oh, I, despite the headlamps, it was just difficult to, to see actually the trail signage. And, uh, and it was quite slippery as well and, and so on. So it, it, it was pretty tough conditions. And... Um, some people said, oh, uh, maybe the 60-hour couldn't be broken because of logistical errors or other things. I think the, the, the weather conditions on Lantau in that last afternoon and night played into that as well because it just can't go so quick and it's slippery. Which was exactly what you asked for, didn't you? You, you posted the, at some stage, <laughs> I wish the weather is going <laughs> to rain, so it's a little bit harder. I remember when I did it uh, the first time. I did uh, the sequence was different, but I did Mac the last time, and it was just going over Taimashan. It was just like a different climate zone. It was just absolutely freezing. I had all my kid on, gloves on, beanie on. I was just about to die. It was just so incredibly cold. There was uh, a hailstorm up going up there, and uh, it was just terrible. Um, but uh, it was a few weeks later in Chinese New Year, and it's usually a bit colder. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I think I think weather-wise, I think we had it all. We had uh, quite a quite a warm, mild uh, uh, first day and a half, and then we had some rain as well later on. So uh, we had it all. Do you think the pollution had any any role as well in the timing, or um, hard to say? So obviously, I, I I don't recall it was very heavy pollution. Certainly, the the air wasn't. Clear. I mean, it was it was a bit of a pity because uh, you couldn't really see as far as normal, um, and that's one of the benefits of doing it over Chinese New Year because the mainland shuts down and then all the factories are 
down and, 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 and it's very predictably very clear and, and stunning blue sky weather. Yeah. Unfortunately, we didn't have that. But uh, I'm not sure whether some people got affected with that, perhaps. Um, but also then it was pretty warm, actually, and way too humid for this, this time of the year as well. Um, so I remember having seen people climbing up, even time with Shan, just three, three hours into it. It was, it was pretty warm. Yeah. Okay. Well, Tom nearly made it. But not uh, not totally. Were you standing in Muwo thinking, "Oh, you might make it. You might not make it"? Or no, I think um, I think by that time I I pretty much knew we wouldn't make it. Um, and uh, even even I think from Taiwan onwards, and Benny then slowed down a little bit on the on the catch waters leading into Taiwan, and I said, "Well, uh, it's just there's no way." He did actually then, in the end, much faster than I expected. I expected him to come in 61 plus, plus. Um, but he, as you said, then pulled into high gear and then really nailed the last section and, and then just went for it. Um, and uh, his final finishing time then was uh, 60 hours, 38 minutes. Um, so, but I think he was extremely happy and satisfied to finish. He was satisfied to uh, come in first. Um, and, uh, yeah, he would obviously have liked, I guess, to crack 60, but uh, uh, speaking to him at the finish, he uh, wasn't too uh, <laughs> too worried about that. He was just happy to be done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can imagine uh, after 60 hours that you're not too bothered about it. But maybe after a few days you might think back and think, wow, if I just did this or if I just did that, I would have made it. Yeah, I mean that that is often the case, right? I mean, sometimes you you finish eleventh place, and you said, "Oh, I I saw that guy who came tenth, and if I would have only left that aid station a minute earlier, and if I've only run that downhill, uh, and so on." But I mean, it's hindsight twenty twenty, so you can't do, do anything about it. What I told him, well, it's something you can improve on next year, and um, so uh, yeah, I hope he uh, hope he comes back and has a shot at it. Yeah, um, and then uh, following on, then so obviously it was big celebrations at uh, Moivo Green Postbox, and then we were waiting for whoever was next to come in. And uh, again, Chokin didn't have a tracker on him, so it was a bit of a wild card. And uh, um, what I liked both about Chokin and and Tom was that they did it in the true spirit of the challenge, uh, and Jack as well for most parts. At least on Lantau, uh, and what that was doing at solo and unsupported. Uh, many others had had uh, people with them, and uh, so because they were on their own, uh, you wouldn't get any updates from them, right? So they're so at the pointy end. Certainly, were not texting around and facebooking and so on. So they were just focused on the task at hand, and so yeah. we had not really much visibility on what happened to Shokin. Had he recovered from that low going out of? Tayo or what was going on and uh, so we were staying there full of suspense and I think uh, Clement uh, was then uh, heading up to uh, Namshan to see uh, when they would come in and and then run him in um, and so uh, yeah Chokin finished in less than an hour after Tom in 61.34 and uh, it was interesting to observe the status or the, the, the state rather the uh, participants were in 
at the finish. And Tom was fresh as a daisy. Again, very mentally alert still, chatting along and, and, and not, not sitting down really and just walking around and, and so on. And, and I was just in awe how, how fresh he still looked. Cho Kin came in and he was totally destroyed. And he was so relieved that it was done. And, and you could really see it. And, and when Cho Kin runs, he's usually quite, quite stern and, and, and into the zone and so on and, and doesn't show a lot of emotion on his face. But he was just mentally drawn out coming into that green box, that post box. And I've, 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 I've rarely seen Shokin so uh, completely empty. And yeah. he was just really happy that it was done. Which uh, explains that he, that he was an hour behind Tom because we'll replay the, the interview. We've got a little interview, a little soundbite with uh, Tom. And there he says he saw Chorkin until the bottom of Sunset Peak. So from the bottom of Sunset Peak until Muiwo, Chorkin losing an hour on Tom seems like quite a lot. Yeah, indeed. I mean, that is, uh, I mean, certainly compared to, to Lantau climb as well. I mean, that's, that's much easier and, and much less technical. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure whether Tom sort of saw as in, or he's right behind me, or when you cross the road there and then you, you start the stairs up into uh, the pagoda there and then you, you, you turn around and then it's still, you can see people coming down there and maybe a few hundred meters behind and maybe a good five minutes or plus behind. Um, but, but anyway, yeah, I agree, it's, it's an hour is a lot on that short section. Yeah. Um, and then uh, third place, uh, and then again we had the tracking technology, so we we knew that John was uh, uh, not going to go any higher than third place because he was still in uh, around Lantau Peak at the time when uh, when Chokin had finished. So it was uh, about two hours plus after that he came in, uh, 63.47. Uh, and again, John was pretty knackered, uh, very uh, relieved that it was done. Uh, but pretty exhausted. I uh, had a good sit down pretty much straight away, and um, so that was uh, was quite interesting to see. And then the other uh, really uh, standout performance in my books was uh, Jack Lanante, and uh, he obviously is pretty familiar, or most people are familiar with him. He was a sole survivor in 2015, and he had taken um, 81 hours 30 minutes. Uh, that year and he came in with a massive massive improvement so he cut over 14 hours off that performance he came in in 66 hours 50 minutes so uh, three three solid hours behind John so we had an hour between the top three uh, and then as I said earlier then that time sort of starts to escalate because then that sleep issue kicks in so then it goes from one hour difference to three hour difference so to Jack and then it goes to I said six seven hours before Mark came in and then it just escalates from there right so um, and uh, Jack was just like Tom fresh as a daisy joking around his he, he looked like he was just about to go out for a run he was not sweating he was very clean there was no dirt on his legs or on his clothes or anything uh, it was 
quite remarkable actually. He, he just literally looked as if he would be stepping out the door to go for a run. Um, and uh, really, really uh, heads off to, to Jack. I mean, he put a lot of effort in uh, in the last year for training. He was pretty small to begin with, but he dropped another eight kilos. And, uh, and that certainly shows that's, that's a massive amount. Uh, and, and he, yeah, again, he was definitely not overweight in 2015 when he did it. He was pretty skinny already. And he dropped another, another eight kilos and he looked a lot more muscular. And, and so it must have been a massive training year uh, for him. But it definitely has, has certainly paid off. And, and I always love that when, when that, that effort, you, you, you set yourself a, a big goal. And, and I think he pretty much knew when he finished 2015, okay, I'm going to come back in a year's time. And he, he trained really hard for that, and, and it, it paid off. So I'm really pleased to see that. Yeah, and, and talking about survivors and, and putting things a little bit in perspective, um, I, I was around when, when uh, Vic did it. And, you know, Vic, Vic is one of, one of my regular running group. Um, you know, we run together, and he is he, usually not at, at the pointy end of, of big races in Hong Kong. I mean, he, he does well, but he's not top 10 or whatever. So seeing the, the the names of the people lined up this year, naturally, I thought, okay, these guys are going to go much faster than, than Vic. And they're going to, you know, crush it. And they're going to do 55 hours. Uh, but that was the talk before. But seeing the result now, and then it, it puts Vic's effort of two years ago in perspective, that there's there's a lot more than just being a fast runner to to this challenge, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and that was always an integral part of the design, and uh, that's intentional. So, and 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 if you if you read the uh, the side and in the about section, it talks about that. It's not just about your your, your raw fitness, but uh, you you got to be on your A game. Obviously, you got to be good with the sleep deprivation aspect. Uh, but you also got to get your logistics sorted. And I think it's similar to any new race that we see or any new event that we see where the first year you have much lower times than subsequent years because what happens then is people, even if they haven't done it in the previous year, they they look at the, the GPS file or they, they exchange uh, information, ideas and so on, and then people get better and... and, and, and Times get faster, and I think that's very common. And then it maybe takes two, three, four years or so, and then it sort of starts to plateau again, and then it's increasingly harder to to set a new record. But uh, uh, I think we've certainly seen that here. And then we went from one survivor in 2014, Vic So, to, to one survivor 2015, Jack Lanante, to 11 survivors um, this year. Right, so and we went from five or six people starting to twenty-three people starting. Um, so yeah, it, it has certainly grown by leaps and bounds, but also then times have become a lot faster. Uh, but I am very pleased <laughs> that sixty hours is yet to break. So the format will be the same in twenty seventeen, um, same uh, course, same sequence, same direction. Um, and I'm I'm quite pleased with myself that that sixty hours seems to be actually a good a good challenge it's not an impossible challenge i'm becoming very close now uh but it's a good stretch challenge and three years in a row it hasn't been broken yeah 
and we saw this year the first the first uh, woman uh, finish which is uh, yes that's right we, as well we had female participants uh pretty much uh from the second year on this one was a, the fifth uh, fifth time we held the challenge and we had uh, uh four women starting and uh, i think sometime middle of wilson uh only jerry chua from singapore was left and um she she was here last year she uh she was way ahead in uh, uh, the first half of mech uh but then unfortunately i think rolled an ankle or had other injury fair up and and had to drop fairly early on in in, in mech already and uh, uh i think she was really keen to get the monkey of the back and 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 get retribution and uh she was suffering. I saw her a few times along the uh, the various courses, and um, and what people often don't realize is uh, we all like to look good on on photos, and we smile on photos, and uh, and and Jerry is quite good at at looking good on photos and smiling, but boy, I can tell you, she was suffering, and uh, I think what people don't realize is how hard these things are. And how deep people have to dig. And if you sit at home on the couch and browse to Facebook and you say, up, they say, oh, she looks pretty good. It comes natural to her. I wish I would be like that. And uh, maybe one day I do it as well. And uh, uh, that sounds easy. I might sign up next, sign up next year. But it's just if you, if you actually see her suffering through it, it's, it's quite a different uh, thing. And, and, and that just doesn't come across social media, obviously. But... Uh, she worked very hard for that survivor slot and uh, she came in at 77 hours and 10 minutes uh, so first and sole female finisher so first female survivor rather uh, ever um, and she came overall in sixth place so uh, which I think was also pretty strong so she uh, she uh, um, came ahead of quite a few other people so uh, very uh, very good and, and big congratulations. Yeah, uh, it's it's almost a, a no go area, um, but let me just put it out there just so that you can respond to it. But would you consider having a separate limit for for women? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, I think that is not really common anywhere. I think there is. Uh, I, I'm a I'm a strong proponent of of equality and diversity and and i think that would sort of set the wrong message i think i think women in general are very good in endurance and i'm not aware actually of any ultra of of any good recognition and standing that has separate cutoffs by by gender so no i would not do that um but i think what's going to happen now is so up to this event it was all about who will be the first to finish and it, it, it wasn't be who will be the first to complete it, rather. It wasn't so much about the finishing time. And I think when uh, uh, when Jerry uh, realized or was made aware probably through her crew that she was the only female in the race, she probably the, probably the pressure came off a bit as well and said, well, it's, I just need to bring it home now and just quote unquote. But uh, it's not about time anymore, really. Of course, she wanted to be as close to 60 as possible. I think she had... She had realized by by some stage in Wilson that that just this is not going to happen. But obviously she wants to do well. Um, 
but now that she has taken the uh, the role of the first ever person to complete it, I think now what you will now see over the next year and in the next race is to say, okay, I want to break that time. Right? So it's that, that, that first finisher is gone, that title, that's, that's hers forever. Um, but now it's, I think we will see female participants coming in, okay, okay, I'll have a go at those 77 hours, 10 minutes. Yeah, so that it kind of creates its its own challenge within the challenge, does it? Yeah, and I, I think that that's exciting, and I think we've we've seen this sort of explosion in, in participants uh, for fivefold and and an elevenfold uh, number of um, uh, people that survive it. But uh, and I think we've we've had used massive amounts of of, of traffic on the uh, the Facebook page for this and so on, and it's. Uh, uh, it's been been widely discussed as well, and so on. So I think I think a lot of people are saying, "Oh, this is a this is a cool thing," and I'm 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 thinking about giving this a shot. And uh, I think the 60-hour mark to break that, the first person to break 60 hours, I think that's going to be a very coveted achievement. Uh, and then going under the the, the fastest times, uh, both male and female, I guess, uh, will, will be similar. Yeah, yeah, because. We're now uh, a few days uh, further. I've seen some things popping up on on Facebook. You're clearly uh, ha- are starting to to create a, a clear picture of how you want to approach it uh, next year. And I think we mentioned before already a few things that you felt that there should be a change. It, it, how clear is your picture now, or is it still a work in progress? It's still a bit of work in progress, uh, but in my mind, it's pretty clear i i want to i want to retain the original intent of the challenge so i don't want to change it too much i want to keep it simple uh, but we do need to do some fine tweaking because um i was quite caught off guard to be quite honest uh by the fact that so many people joined i didn't expect that i was expecting 15 people maybe 18 23 started um the other challenge was that um, there was a, a massive spread in, in, in uh, completion times. Uh, it was pretty two, pretty much 2x. So Tom was in just a notch under 61 hours and the, um, the final completion times were 119 hours. So it's double. Uh, so it's a three-day challenge and, and, and these guys took almost uh, five days. And um, so the first thing that I will introduce is a a, a cutoff time for the event or finishing time for the event. So the 60 hours will stay uh, in terms of separating the, the finishers from the survivors. Uh, but then after 80 hours, so another 20 hours on top, that's 33% above the cutoff, we will basically close the event. We will switch off the, the tracking and we will go home and, and, and that's it. And if people are still out on the trail, by all means, carry on if you like. But... Uh, uh, it won't be recognized on the on the page and and so on. And we didn't have that this year, and I I, I didn't feel the need for that. I didn't expect eleven people to <laughs> to complete. And uh, but I felt obviously an obligation to to hang around. So uh, I take a, a day off anyway on on Monday and uh, booked a hotel and, and silver mine and and so on. So we were around and, uh, and 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 it was great. I was really happy to see that, and I immensely proud of everyone that completed it. Um, but there has to be an end as well. Um, 
and I have to go back into my real world and, and my day job and uh, it's got to stop somewhere. Um, so it will be 80 hours when the event finishes. Um, and we will also have a cutoff for the first trail, uh, which is Mecklehorse, and that's probably going to be, uh, not sure yet, but probably 20 hours. So if you, if you don't finish Mecklehorse in 20 hours, you're out. Um, the other area that is um, um, something that I, I need to think about a bit more still, but uh, in my mind, it was always around the, the solo journey of the challenge and that you do it on your own. Um, there is crew permitted between the trails, as we know, uh, and uh, because it, the, some of the trails are quite far apart. I mean, you, you, could, you could run from trail to trail, but then you end up with sort of 360K and, and there's a lot of road involved as well. I think it's sort of a bit nuts, but, um, <laughs> but on trail... Uh, on trail, uh, the original idea is that, that you do it on your own and you have a big pack and you have your supplies in there that last the entire trail and uh, and you self-support. You can go to a noodle shop or you can go to a, uh, uh, a machine to, to draw some stuff and so on uh, uh, or to a little vending machine, but you got to do it on your own. And uh, and Tom did that. Joaquin did that. Uh, Jack did that in parts. Um but uh, most of the others just had people with them. And uh, so the, the, the strict rule and the strict heritage or the, the, the original idea about it, would, would you do it on your own and it's self-supported and it's a solo, a solo journey because uh, um, that was something that was for me really uh, mentally very hard but also very rewarding um, to do it on your own. Um, I, there's nothing to be taken away from anyone that completed the challenge and, and even if you have people running with you, uh, it is still a massive undertaking. I, uh, I have no reason to believe at all that anyone was uh, uh, muling and, and, and carrying stuff for any of the participants uh, whatsoever. Um, but I know from my own experience that if you go until night number two and night number three, sleep deprivation is a major issue and you have hallucinations and other things. And it's easier than to get off course. If you have someone running with you, then you have that someone who is much fresher than you are, looking that you don't get off course and uh, that you don't trip anywhere and, and, and so on. And, and they may be even talking to you and they, they keep your mind off of the monotony of running and keep you alert, keep you awake and all these things. And they may not be carrying anything. They may not be necessarily even running ahead of you, they may be running behind you. But it is, in my view, an advantage. And um, I think what I will do next year going forward is to, to be more firm about this. And it, it, it has always been in the rules, it's always in there. The challenge with these things, it's, it's, it's hard to set rules when you can't enforce them. And this is not a race, this is not about winning a medal or winning money or other things. So it's about an honor system and it's about your own personal challenge. It's not about who comes first or second and so on, really. And and that, that, that solo event, to me, is very important. And I need to think about how I, uh, how I will uh, handle that. But I may, I may say, well, those people that have people running with them, they may not be recognized in the, in the results because it, it is quite different and it is a major advantage. Yeah. But, yeah, 
At the same time, you've got you've got the safety aspect. I think maybe, and that's maybe why you want to go to like more an invitational. At least that's what I saw more of an invitational um, format, so that you can at least make sure that the people who who start this challenge will have the background to finish it, even though there's no pacing. Yes, um, safety is important. Uh, everyone is responsible for their own safety in the challenge. It's not an organized event. Um, but um, of course I care for people and, and of course I want everybody to not get lost, not get injured and, 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 and complete it uh, fine. Um, and maybe it was ignorance or maybe it was just sort of a naive assumption but in my mind, the challenge is very, very hard and very difficult. And people who realize only people who really are very fit and strong and experienced would 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 ever bother and dare to to, to embrace it. And um, I think um, what we sometimes need to realize is that and it goes a bit back what I said earlier. You you see social media now being very influential and you see people smiling as they're going into their 250s kilometer on, on trail and, and it looks all so easy but and, 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 and us doing these things we we sort of have a an understanding of what it takes and we, we know what is difficult and what is too difficult and, and we, we say okay that's maybe for next year but people that don't have that experience people who've never done 100k uh, they don't have that and they don't have that appreciation and that's where it then gets gets dangerous. So, uh, I do want to go to invitational uh, racing. The the term of invitational uh, entrance is is not very familiar in Asia. So maybe I just explain that quickly. And it's very common in in North America. Uh, it doesn't mean that I will invite people and I fly them in at my expenses and and, <laughs> and put them up in lodging. So that's that's not what it is. Okay. So it's not that I pay for everything. The challenge is free and it will will forever stay free. But you got to pay for your own stuff. Um, so secondly, it's not about creating an, uh, an event that is only for the top end of town. Um, there is a somewhat of a process where I want to make sure that, that I have an assurance that people have a, have a shot at finishing and, and completing it. Um, but um, I'm, I'm not interested in having an event that is only for for people that win races all the time, that would be boring. I, I, I'm interested in people that share a similar philosophy than I have had in the original design, and that is that really challenging. Uh, there's a very good chance I will actually not be able to complete it, and that's what I find motivating. So that's what I want to do. And then the solitude of of doing the journey and and doing it largely on your own, except between trails. So these are the, the kind of people that I'm, I'm hoping to, to attract. And I think uh, Jack hits that mark. Uh, I know Chokin hits that mark. I know Tom hits that mark. Um, and, uh, and, and probably some others as well. But um, so using the invitational approach means basically uh, the way it works is that people can express their interest. So obviously I have a few names in my, in my mind that I would be delighted if they join again. Um, but it doesn't mean that I will be the one determining every, everybody who, who toes the, the start line. So there will be a process um, about people expressing interest. They can send me an email uh, and say, okay, I'm interested in the, in the event and, and, and this is why I'm interested and 
here are some of the things I've done before, uh, not very formal, not very scientific, and then uh, I reserve the right to then send out an, an, uh, uh, an, an invite or, or not. Um, so that's basically the idea. Uh, and then I also know who will be at the start line because uh, we were sort of rushing a little bit of getting names and contact numbers and so on uh, at this. So uh, originally the approach was you just rock up on the day, you don't have to register, but with numbers increasing now, unfortunately, that is not feasible anymore. And it's, 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 it's pretty straightforward as well with this process. So now the, the critics will say, oh, now you, you are the god, you are playing then uh, the deciding factor of who can get in and who cannot get in. Uh, yeah, well, that's true. I think I have enough experience, so I have fairly good judgment on what it takes to complete a challenge like this based on maybe a, a short CV of people, what people have done. Have they done 100K or 100 miles and how many and what time? And, um, but uh, what, I, what I don't want to create an image is that it's, it's only for 100 mile uh, specialists, it's only for top runners. That's not the case. I'm, I'd be delighted to have someone who has an Ironman background or who is an adventure racer, right? I, I don't necessarily want to limit it to just ultra trail running specialists. Um, but I do want to reserve the right, it's my event after all, um, to make sure that people that come in can complete it safely. Uh, I, f I feel a moral obligation for that and, and, and if some people take that the wrong way then uh, I'm sorry, then, then, then this is not for them. This will never be for a broad number, a large number of participants. This will never be a mass event and uh, and that's that's just the nature of it and I think people are still grossly underestimating how hard it is and every single person at the green post box, everyone including Tom, said as they were finishing this was much harder than I thought it would be. Right, so it is, it is pretty tough. Um, but I want, I want diversity in there, I hope to attract people from different countries, uh, I want to have uh, gender diversity as well and so on. But uh, um, yeah, so over the next week or two, we'll, we'll, we'll hash out some of the, the details and we put it up on the event page and, and announce it and then people can think about it. And if, if it doesn't fit their, their interest, then that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and there are many, many other races and events and challenges and so on. There's no lack of that. Um, but I, I just feel it's important that I sort of stay true to my roots and uh, the, the heritage of the event. Yeah. No, um, I... I think I, I agree, um, and I think you know, people who want to do it, they can do it any time. Anyway, so it, it's, there's nothing stopping anyone from, from trying to do it, but if you want to do it within your format and, and, and kind of with the publicity that comes with it, then, then you should follow the, the, the rules. Yeah, that's right, and and you're raising a good point. I mean, after I basically sort of announced the the date uh, for next time, and I said we're going to change a few things, and 80 hours is the uh, the end of the, the event, and then people said, oh, why 80? Why not 85? Why not 100? And so on. And I said, well, it, it is a running challenge. It's not a hiking event. Um, oh, yeah, but then those people that take longer actually work much harder and. It's even more of an achievement. Yeah, and I agree. And, and I'm not sure whether you saw that, but during the challenge, I put a post up. And um, one thing that I like about it, if I don't run my own 
challenge that I actually go out and, and see people. And, and I think that's maybe also one of the unique things where probably not many race directors go out and actually go on the course and run in reverse direction and, and, and try to, to, to see people and cheer them on and, and so on. So I find it quite, quite good. But, um, and then they, uh, they uh, so I, I said that I, I'm, I'm very inspired by people that finish dead last. Right, and they often inspire me much more than the guys in the top ten, or the winner, or the course record holder, because it it really gives me a lot of motivation. And because these people are really working very hard, and so they've been almost five days out there. Um, so I'm, I'm not taking anything away from that. Right, I mean I'm, my head goes off to them absolutely, but I can't please everyone, and it cannot be the event for everyone's taste and flavor and so on. You can never please uh, everyone. So this is not a hiking endurance challenge. This is a running endurance challenge. And of course, there's a lot of hiking involved in the apple, as we all know. Um, but you, you got to run significant portions to, to come in, uh, in, a, in a reasonable time. And that's just what it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, you've mentioned people can, can contact you and, and, and find you and, and comment. Um, I would recommend to keep it all friendly and, and understanding after after this story. Uh, I can't imagine anyone has, has, has a different idea, but uh, where can they reach you? Well, the easiest is just to go to hk4, the number 4, com. So hk4tuc.com, and that then redirects you to the, uh, the Facebook page. Some people have asked me to set up a proper website. I'll, I'll see whether I get around to that. Um, one other thing that I noticed was that a lot of people asked, and crews in particular, asked very basic questions during the challenge. Uh, where is the next, where is the start of the next trail? Uh, and, and, and other things. And I, know, I have to actually read the instructions. Um, I can tell and, you no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and I'm, I'm not sure, uh, maybe it isn't very obvious, but on, on, on every page, Facebook page, there is an about section and in the about section, it, it has all the details. Um, so, um, yeah, the format itself will will stay the same. A few other rules, as we discussed, uh, need to be added. And uh, I look forward to having more uh, more people being able to experience it and and uh, um, and go through that. I think I think all people who went through this this past weekend have, have seen it as a a rewarding experience. Um, I've I've received overall pretty positive feedback, even from people that unfortunately had to drop. So we had 12 out of 23, that's slightly above 50% drop rate. Um, and uh, which is, again, misleading now. So people hear this, oh, I've, that means I got a 50% chance. Uh, well, yeah, you had this year because there wasn't a, a finish time to the event. But next year it will be. 80 hours. So if I look at my list, 80 hours, that means we would only have had six finishers, six survivors rather. And then we would have had um, a lot higher DNF rate. So don't be fooled by, oh, 50% can make it. So I should be good enough then. Um, so that's misleading. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend to have done a few of the trails and, and look at the times that I needed to finish even one trail with to to make it within the cut of time 
Yeah, so if you can't is, do that, then then that you another, know you're not going to do it. Point because the, uh, the 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 Thai participants, in particular the the uh, Atip and Shisanupong who uh, who came in this morning only, um, and then people say, oh well, it's not a it's not a hiking event, and why that takes so long. What you need to realize also is that these guys have never been to Hong Kong ever. They have never been to any of the four trails ever. And they did not have any pacers, and they did not have any crew uh, outside um, the off-trail sections. So these guys locked it out all on their own, and first time on these trails in foggy conditions, into the fifth day, four nights. Of course, they slept a bit more uh, in terms of total duration than the others, but these guys worked really hard and had, had done a massive achievement. And that's something you need to keep in mind as well. And people say, oh, uh, but they took so long. Yeah, well, but you had people running with you and you know these trails inside out, um, right? So that's a big difference. So anyone from overseas who wants to do the challenge, and it, it is a solo, solo um, challenge, as I said earlier, self-supported. Um, without course knowledge, it's very hard. Um, I do allow GPS. Uh, I do allow maps um, at this stage still. I may revisit that in future. But um, you, if you've never been on the course, I highly recommend you would use GPS because otherwise you you will get lost and and and, and it will eat into your time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thanks, uh, Andre. That was a, a very interesting uh, insight into uh, the Four Trails event here uh, in Hong Kong. Um, I think this interview is, is almost as long as, as the whole uh, challenge, but <laughs> that, that's suitable. Um, I'm probably looking to publishing this into two or three parts, just to keep it manageable. Um, but yes, again, uh, thank you very much, and, and, and congratulations on putting such a successful event uh, up, and, and heads up for all the work you've put in. Um, people on Facebook might not realize that how much work you put in, but um, if you see around uh, the, the trail uh, and, and see what you do, and you and, and also paper, of course, then uh, that, that's a lot of work you put in, and, and uh, just a little sleep over, over that many days, uh, and, and that's pretty massive. Yeah, thanks, Martin. It's been uh, good talking to you, and uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. Okay, thank you. Good. She just finished the four trails. The first Holy crap! Up, yeah, starting Friday at eight. Yeah, <laughs> gonna be a little tired by now. Yeah, totally. Thank you for listening to the Lantau Basecamp podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to drop us an email at lantaubasecamp at gmail com. And you can always, any time of the day, browse our online shop at www.lantelbasecamp.com and shop for your favorite trail running gear. Or come by in person, visit the shop in Miwo, located close to the ferry pier opposite the Fusion Supermarket. Stay tuned for the next Lantel Basecamp podcast.